0: everybody, and welcome to the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. This is episode 34. My name is Matt, and joining me on today's show are my two esteemed co-hosts, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. Thank you all for joining us. If you'd ever like to reach out to us, you can always do so by finding us on Facebook by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Feel free to shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Go ahead over to the BGG Guild number 2077 or... Go to guild.nonsensicalgamers.com and join the conversation there. Or find us on Twitter, Instagram, or if you like the show, we'd love some reviews on iTunes, Board Game Links, and Stitcher. So today's show is very special. It is a what-we've-been-playing extravaganza. So Tiff and Dan are back from BGGCon, and I just played solo games while they were gone in my mom's basement. So we will (laughs) chat about what we've been playing all episode, and we will conclude with a couple of clips from the floor of BGG Con chatting with some cool people about what they played and what they were interested in. So, the real question for today's episode is where do we start? What game do we chat about first? Somebody pick either the best game or the worst game of BGG Con.
1: I think we should start with the worst,
0: okay, and not that prototype where you weren't allowed to talk to people.
1: No, I'm not going to talk about that.
0: So what was bad? We'll work our way up. Sapiens, Sapiens. I think,
1: was my least favorite it game that we like, played.
0: It looks cutesy, though.
1: It looks exactly like the kind of game that I should love. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. It It's a tile placement game, and I love tile placement, but it has tiles that are like dominoes, so on one side they have one terrain, on the other side they have the other, and you're placing things, so... You have to match everything up. And maybe I'm just really bad at matching. I just got frustrated because I kept blocking myself out of the things that I wanted to do.
0: Dan, what would you think?
2: I see the merit in it. It just wasn't that fun for me. Um, It was a cool little puzzle to work out, like Tiff said. Domino style, and when you do manage to line up all the tiles in a specific formation, you get like a bonus. But it was very dependent on the tile draw. There was a little bit of, I don't know, it was like minor take that that wasn't even really all that take that, so I'm not really sure why it was included. There was a couple of things that I just didn't really care for. I think the puzzle was fun. I just didn't like all the little ancillary elements that were thrown in on top of it.
0: Okay, so how long does this game last?
2: Maybe 40 minutes. The rules were a little bit, they were were well written, but you had to actually kind of show examples on the board to kind of understand what was going on uh, because of the way they were written. So it it took a little bit to explain it, but once we got going it was it was really easy.
1: The one interesting thing with it is that there are two scores that you're tracking throughout the game. So you're tracking your food and your shelter and by doing certain things you're get you're increasing those values and then at the end it's your lowest one that counts. So it's kind of like between two cities I like that part.
2: I don't I don't want to say I hated it. I just, it was probably the game I was least excited about that we played when I was done.
1: I was just disappointed because I thought I was going to love it.
2: I think Tiff went in with really high expectations. She almost bought it before we played it. And I said, let's just check it out first. It's right next door to the library. We can play it in 40 minutes. And if you like it, you can go buy it. So we saved Tiff a couple this- bucks. <laughs> you dodged a bullet.
1: This whole con was saving me a couple bucks, honestly. We we also played Luna, the Steffenfeld, Feld, and I was really highly considering buying that until we played that.
0: I think all of us were kind of interested in this in one way or another.
1: It's so highly regarded, and it's been out of print for a long time, and I think that definitely amped up people's desire to play it and, yeah. and the way people feel about it when something's hard to get. It just seems cooler, just in general. And it's not that it's not cool. It's neat. There's like these different islands that you go on and it's worker placement and you, you're you taking your novices and you're placing them onto these islands and then taking them off to get things and there's a temple. The temple is like in Lagrangia, but... Obviously, this came first, so you're putting your guys in there, and if they're on a tile that has a higher value, you kick the opponent's workers off. So I mean, it's got some neat things in it, but it did feel dated.
0: Yeah. In what way? I don't know. I feel like some his games have like a timeless quality at, at times. I don't know if
2: dated's the word, but he seems to have improved since then. I'd say I, I put guess, every other title that he's designed since then above it. This one firmly even sits- Bruges, Dan. All right, except for Bruges, because Bruges sucks.
1: When I say dated, I just mean like he's done more games since then and maybe streamlined his process a little bit more.
0: Okay. Has he used similar mechanics like those seen in Luna? Because I know he does recycle at times.
1: I think this one's sufficiently different from all of his other games to merit a play. I just And it could just be that there were four new players, and it took a long time to set up because there are all these little islands and all these things that you have to do, tiles to put everywhere. So we were sitting down at the table for almost an hour before we even got started playing. Mm. And then by the time we got to the end of the game, I was a little bored.
2: That's fair. It's a simple rule set, but it's a lot to remember because it's broken down into four types of actions that you can do and within each of those types there's like three or four different actions you can take so all in all there's like 14 or 15 different things you can do on your turn and just remembering all those they had a great player aid but just kind of going through the rules understanding what each of those did how they kind of work within the system he's created it was tough to start with i don't think it's a bad game i actually think it's a really solid game like I said, I put it firmly in, like, the middle of his games. I'd put it, like, in my top ten, but towards the back end of it, probably. I thought it was well-designed. The aisles around the temple, this little modular kind of board thing where you're kind of moving dudes, and you're you're basically chasing points around it. You're trying to build temples, and there's this little moon priestess that will score whatever island she's on. There's a, um, a majority scoring at the end of the turn. That sort of thing. So you're chasing points around there, and that little puzzle was kind of fun for the first few turns. So you're trying to get your your templeites to the middle. That piece was kind of I don't know. That was laborsome You had to like be on a specific island, and then you got to move a guy onto this track, and then from that track you could move it into the center. So that one that was kind of just it was one of those again staples of Feld sometimes where he's just complex for complexity's sake. That one was just a step too far for me as far as enjoyment. And then I think we all kind of agreed, as far as gameplay was concerned, it went like a turn too long in our opinion, because once you got going, it was like the same thing over and over. And I just kind of lost interest in it, like the second to last round. I was like, all right, let's just get this done with. So again, it was at a con, first time playing it, four new players. I think we're all four proficient players, so I wouldn't say it was anything to do with skill
0: level or that sort of thing. But I, I, I think it was good, but I didn't love it. I have a feeling that most of the show is going to be, hey Matt, remember those games you're interested in? They're not that great. Yeah. You probably will like it. You love Aquasphere. Is this better than Aquasphere? In my book, yes.
2: But I don't know. So it's better than two of Feld's biggest games recently. <laughs> I liked it better than Aquasphere because I thought the puzzle was more enjoyable to solve.
0: Uh, Well, I, I played a game or two and because I was all sad and by myself, I went and picked up Castellian which is the third game in the Oniverse series. And not just because I was sad. I was really interested in this one because it's a tile-laying game and different from the previous two, which were card-based. So I grabbed this, thinking I could play with Kel or I could just kind of mill about by myself. So I cracked it open and played, I don't know, five, six games in a night because it only takes like 15 minutes. It's a neat little game. I'm not very good at it, is what I learned. Uh, I lose a lot. And I needed to recruit Ben and Kel to kind of help me figure out the solo puzzle. We actually ended up sitting around and even though it's only a one or two player game, we just kind of co-opt it because why not? So basically what you're trying to do is you have four different colors of tiles and those tiles come in three possible shapes. They're all square tiles, but on the tiles they have shapes, so triangle, circle, or square. You're trying to make groups of tiles, and there's some tile laying rules, so you're working within the confines of the game rules to lay patterns of tiles in this six by six grid, and you have to complete certain patterns to complete goal cards, and if you complete all the goal cards, you win the game. I really enjoyed it. I thought it's super quick. I don't do a lot of solo gaming, but, for whatever reason, this game kind of clicks because it's almost like a little Tetrisy puzzle kind of thing. It It doesn't feel like you're jumping into a full-fledged game, but you're playing it by yourself. I don't know, like the Fields of Arl solo rules or something crazy like that. It just feels like a game that was meant to sit down and do, and do a puzzle. It's kind of an activity, but I do like it, and I think it's fun. It fits the thematic world of the Oniverse, which is kind of a crazy dream world, and I'm having fun with it, so I'll keep kind of messing around with it i probably get a review going at some point but for a you know $20 solo game not unsuccessful I dig it
1: that's good to hear I've been thinking about picking that one up because I yeah. have the other two and I like
0: those I think that this is my favorite of the three so far uh, I do like Sylvian Onirim is my least favorite of the three it kind of goes backwards for me uh, I just really like tiles. I like the transition. They were originally trying to make this game with cards, and I heard that eventually it just kind of clicked that these should be tiles in this six by six grid. So I like the transformation of the components. Plus you get another little, another little tiny meeple guy to go with your other two tiff.
2: All right, well, let's talk about Shakespeare then. Uh, this was a game that I had picked up before the con. It's a Yastari game, so it comes from a good shop. Asmodee put this out. The art is fantastic. It really is vibrant and just catches your attention on the table. So what you're trying to do is you're all trying to put on a successful production using famous characters throughout the Shakespeare worlds. And you're also going to be hiring handymen and helpers and costume makers and things like that. Now, I say all this, it's a Euro. But for some reason, the theme comes through a little bit more than most Euros. I think, um, I don't know why it is for me. Maybe it's the art. Maybe it's just kind of the mechanisms, but I haven't quite figured that out. But the theme works nicely. So you're gonna be hiring actors, as I said, set constructors, and you're gonna be making costumes for your, your characters, and then building an actual set on your player board. All the while you're trying to advance on these three tracks. One Each one represents an act within the play. So if there's three acts in the play, and those are gonna score you points, money, etc., based on how far you've gone on those tracks. So it's a really tight game. I want to start out by saying that. As I read online and as we kind of found out playing it, we played this actually twice. This was like a first time for Tiff. She played a game twice. I think it was in the same day, wasn't it?
1: Shut up, Dan.
0: <laughs> how was it, Tiff? Was it amazing?
1: I have played games twice, thank you
2: very much.
0: But in the same day.
1: Yeah, we did play it twice in the same day.
0: Keeps it fresh. So
2: um, it's got a couple of really cool mechanisms. <laughs> One being there's... Symmetry involved in this. So, when you build this set, you're collecting these tiles, and to build them on your board, you have to build them in symmetrical fashion. So, if you put a pink one on the left, you have to put a pink one on the right. And then, if you put like a purple one on the second to left, you have to put a purple one on the second to right. So, in order to advance to the next level of the set. So it's pictured as like five sets of blocks. You have to build the base, but the bases have to be symmetrical for you to kind of have that base laid out. So that's a neat little puzzle to figure out. And then um, costumes you're hiring, which are just these little colored discs and you're putting them on your players. And if they get to a certain value, you get a bonus because their costume looks pretty. Um, All that to say that after... The fourth and sixth round, there's a dress rehearsal and you're going to score the different acts. And then after six rounds, the game is over. So as I was, I was talking about before, I don't know if I finished my thought or not, so sorry. Um, the game is very tight. I mean, you start with five points and most scores, a good score will end in like the mid 20s, if that. Tiff and I's first game as a two-player game was 18 to 19. And the second game we played with four players was 23-20 18, 17. So very tight game. Could be a little bit unforgiving at times, but all in all, I really liked it.
1: Yeah, I really like when you have all your helpers and your actors and all these people. When you use them on a turn, you have to rest them on the next turn. There's one that you're allowed to work two turns in a row. You have to plan a little bit in advance. Who am I going to rest? Who am I going to try to keep open for the next turn? I really like that part and so much so that I've bought this immediately when i got home (laughs) yeah there's
2: a there's a cool uh action bidding thing as well so at the start of the game that's what i was interested in the start of the turn you're actually going to you have five discs each of them represents an action and what you're going to do is you're going to bid blind bid how many actions you're going to take this round and the first player is determined by the person who bid the lowest so it was a little bit of a hmm what do I want to bid? Uh, first player also gets a point, which in this game is huge. And like Tiff said, it also comes into play with how many actors you have available, things like that. So there's a real thinky element. I will admit when I was reading the rules and I saw this was like the first page, I was like, God damn it. I hate bidding games. But this one works really
0: well and is really uh, integrated and interesting.
1: Yeah, I didn't mind the bidding
0: card. So I listened to State of Games recently, and they talked about this game. And I think, Tiff, you actually played with those guys, right?
1: Yeah, we played with Daryl and TC.
0: Yeah, so the two two things that I came up one was the bidding mechanic. And apparently, it's it's a needed part of the game. That's not how I want to say it. It's a necessity that you need to bid for first player. sometimes. Is that correct? Like, you can't just coast through with all five actions every turn? It depends,
2: I think. Like I said, like Tiff mentioned, the resting puzzle is really kind of interesting because you only have so many workers available to you each turn because you have to x out other ones that you use the term before yeah. so you can bid five and go last but if you don't have five actions to take you're just wasting time yeah yeah right so it's,
0: it's really neat trying to figure out where you want to come in and then the other thing that came up and you can go listen to their show if you want to hear their thoughts on the matter but how do you feel about the time length of the game uh, I don't agree with what they said. I did listen to that piece of the podcast because I was
2: interested to hear what they said because we played this together. Um, There's just a lot of distractions. It was con setting. People were coming up. It
1: was late.
2: It was late too. too. They had just gotten off work. People were coming up asking about the game, asking about other things, talking to TC, Daryl, Tiff, me, all of it. Like, And it just kind of distracted us. And then we had to go back and figure out what we were trying to do again. So um, when Tiff and I played it, we played in under an hour, two player. And I think with four competent people, it can be played in under 90
0: minutes. Yeah, I'm excited to try it out because everyone's chatting about it. It's not even out yet, is it?
1: Uh, it just came out.
0: Just came out? It came out last week. So, Tiff, anything else good?
1: Let's talk about a game you're not going to be able to play for a year. Okay. Um, (laughs) I thought the perfect, like, late night con game for this con was Dr. Eureka. Um, Blue Orange put it out in Europe, and it's coming over here sometime next year. It is just like a silly dexterity pattern-building game. Uh, In the game, you have three test tubes, and they're filled with these uh, three different colored balls, green, orange, and purple. And then uh, everybody has the same balls and tubes. And then uh, you reveal a card that has a certain pattern, and you're trying to make that as fast as possible by, you know, transferring balls between the tubes to get it to match the card. And wh- whoever does that first, Shachurika Eureka takes the card and you play until the first person has five cards. We came up with some advanced variants of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that were fun. So uh, I think when this gets here, I'll probably snatch that up for the board game, game club. Kids game,
0: adult could love.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's like a monster tort, yeah. rhino hero kind of situation.
0: It sounds awesome.
1: It's got a great toy factor, so... Yeah. That's always something I look for, but I was thought your, it was a lot of fun. Was
0: your variant the TC variant where you had to hold all three? Yeah. I got you. I just I can imagine people like spilling marbles all over the place.
1: <laughs> it did. It, it happened surprisingly few times where we actually lost one, so yeah. it was it was fun. I we played it several times in a row, like at the end of one night, and we got to play with Brandon Parsons from Blue Orange. So nice. It was cool.
0: Very cool. Dan, did you like it, even though you don't like fun?
2: I thought it was a cute game. I wouldn't play it, like, all night. But, yeah, it's it's a great little filler to stick in between something that drains your head. Drains your head.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, so, Tiff, did you get to play The Bloody Inn?
1: No. I bought it, though.
0: Okay. Well, I got to, we got to play it last night, and I kind of want to chat about it. Can we chat about it, even though you haven't played it?
1: All right. Sure.
0: All right. Dan, what did you think of The Bloody Inn? I liked it, overall. Um, I think with any
2: card game so for people who don't know it's multi-use cards you're just kind of the theme is you're running this in and you're trying to attract local travelers and either rob them kill them or use them to do your bidding so it's a really cool little theme the art's amazing just get that out there first um but with like any multi-use card game and any card driven game i think the first play is always going to be slightly tainted because you don't know the cards that are coming out and you don't know how they're going to interact with each other and the combos you can set up and things like that. So this is definitely one that I want to give a second try, but overall I liked I liked what it presented. I thought it was for the price point and the time length. I thought it was um it had some interesting um,
0: elements. Yeah, it seems to have good variability for the price point you know I like this thirty to forty dollar price point. And it's got a lot of different cards, but enough cards that you see regularly where you can actually get a feel for what's in the deck. I was thinking about it today and I like that by the end of the game, I felt like I had actually learned what was going on in the deck. It's not like those games like Lagrangia where there's 60 different cards. This game has, you know, 20 different cards that you see a couple copies of. And I liked that it lets you digest the game and and start thinking combo building a lot easier and a lot faster. i compared this game tiff to dan's dismay to bruges because it's got a bruges element to it and you can't deny it the idea that you're so you're grabbing cards and you have control over the cards that you grab unlike in bruges where it's a little funkier but you use the cards from your hand they're multi-use you build build like the little buildings with them the annexes and those help facilitate storing other cards in this one, the Dead Bodies. But in Bruges, you have to store your little nobleman. And then that gives you you know, money, it gives you abilities and things like that. So the manipulation of the multi-use cards feels very similar to Bruges. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but Dan kind of protested that idea. I do think that they're different. But that was like, that That hit me pretty hard. It was like, oh yeah, this feels a lot like Bruges, this little card thing. But it's like Bruges without all the extra junk.
1: Oh, that's encouraging.
0: I would counter with,
2: yes, I agree that it had a feel because you're building a building with them. But a lot of multi-use card games have that where you put it down and it acts as something else. So while I understand your Bruges comparison, I think it's more of just a multi-use card comparison in, in general, I think is is a fair statement. Unlike Bruges, again, just countering your point there, I thought that the cards could be used more functionally than in Bruges, where, again, Bruges, okay, so they have six uses each, but when it comes down to it, when you get your engine rolling, you are looking for a specific card and a specific color. And this game had a little bit more flexibility in what you could do with the different cards. So. Again, I
0: agree that it does, but in this game, when you get your engine rolling, when you have a certain number of annexes that do certain things, like they build off of purple cards or they build off of red cards, or you need certain cards in your hand, like it's the same deal. You're looking for specific cards in Bloody End, just like I, it. I think that's any multi-use card
2: game, though. I think I don't think it's specifically a Bruges comparison. I think it's more of a general: put this card down; it can be used for this purpose or this purpose, and I need something to trigger it, kind of thing. Yeah. So. Um, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not completely dismissing your comparison I just think it's uh it's more general than than just Bruges it feels
1: just, very much like just Bruges. partially dismissing
0: it's okay <laughs> uh but I do want to I want to play with like the I guess it's the more advanced kind of thing it gives you more control over where cards end up because there are rooms that certain players control and you can apparently I don't know the exact rules but you can influence where certain cards end up and that has a bearing on how much money you make and the interaction between the players seems like it would be strengthened by that that variant and it doesn't seem like it'd be too complex to to add in we just kind of played it the the dummy way because we we were just trying to learn the cards yeah
2: no i think there's going to be a lot more a lot more competition for certain cards a lot more comboing and things like that now that we know kind of what's in the deck, how they interact with each other. Yeah, I, I really like it. And like I said, it's 45 minutes to an hour depending on player count. Um, there's always cards taken out, so there's a little bit of variability from play to play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked it. Don't leave all your dead bodies lying around like I did, yeah, though. It's definitely, it's definitely one of those games where there's like 20 things you want to do, but you only get two per turn. So it's, it's definitely restrictive in that nature. Yeah.
0: About two turns before the end of the game, I was like, oh, no, except I said it in a more expletive way. And everyone was like, what's going on? And I said, I can see down the road. I've got too many things that need to accomplish. And I'm a f- I'm out of actions because I know how many I'm going to get. And I'm not going to be able to bury this giant cop that I killed. And <laughs> he's, his body's going to lay out and I'm going to get in trouble. Nice uh so what else do you guys want to talk about more i know more games were played
1: i think you should talk about the gallerist dan
0: can we talk about the gallerist All right.
1: since you spent five hours playing it i didn't spend what? five hours
0: playing it it was five like hours. three and there three was hours. multiple stops. you were
1: gone from me for at least four hours i'll say that
0: one tip to was four. counting the hours <laughs> She's just, one to four she missed me it's cool but um hour number two without dan
1: I got to go play fun games.
2: With the three hours, that there was like two or three times where we took a break and we stopped for multiple reasons, one of them being one of the guys I was playing with. So I was playing with the three guys from Low Player Count, so uh, Travis, Sean, and Donnie. So shout out to those guys. It was a really fun game. One of those stoppages was due to what they like to do is shame people like that don't return some of the games to the library in the time limits that they're allotted. So like the hot games, you can only have them out for four hours, and then every other game you can have out for eight hours, unless it's overnight, and then you just have to bring it back in the morning. So the first time, they just say the game, and then the second time, if you haven't brought it back, they'll start calling out your name, and everyone boos, and it's kind of a big ordeal. Um, the one lady who's doing it was the rudest person I've ever encountered, but that's a different story. But one of the games, when the lady was done reading the list, honey goes, shit. <laughs> and he just gets up and he runs he had to run up to his hotel room cuz one of the games was his he had had out for like 17 hours and completely forgotten about so oh, that was like a 15 20 minute break right there cuz we we stopped we got some drinks we went to the bathroom while he kind of took care of he had to go all the way up to his room and elevator service in that hotel is hit or miss cuz there's so many people using them so it was just kind of funny so that was one of the, that was like a 20 minute break so the game all in all i think was probably about a little over two hours. And that was with me playing for the first time. Uh, the one guy, Sean, had played once before, but it was a, a while ago, and he was still kind of getting to grips with the, the mechanics as well. So uh, the game itself was was excellent. I really enjoyed this. Um, this is Vital Lacerda, So Kanban, Vino, CO2, those games. Um, and, and one thing I found by playing his games is that uh, he makes everything work so smoothly together. He takes like you know, tens different mechanics and systems and just interweaves them so that they're all kind of connected and you you have to figure out how they work best. And that's just a really interesting uh, puzzle for me to solve. And this game, it looks so busy, but it really isn't. And that's the beauty of it. It's just very streamlined and the actions are simple. Once you kind of learn them, it's just, again, it's just figuring out how best to Utilize them and the most efficient way to kind of get to your end goal. So you're playing as these gallerists, which is like this hybrid role of dealer, buyer, collector, all that kind of stuff. Basically, you're just trying to discover artists, buy art low, sell it high, and have the most money at the end. So there's a number of ways you can do that, but that's the gist of it. Um, overall, really liked it. It's a, it's a beautiful production. Eagle and Griffin did a great job there. Uh, the box weighs eight pounds, <laughs> but within that eight pounds, it's so organized and tight and lovely. It's just, it's a joy to look at.
0: Your four-hour game can be explained in two No, sentences. it can't. Uh, probably teaching
2: it probably would take 20, 25 minutes, but I'm not going to do that okay. on the podcast. <laughs> I'm just giving you the gist of it. It's just a really excellent game. That's what I'm going to say. If you have specific questions, ask me. I don't know what you want to hear about.
0: Well, I was interested in what exactly you were doing, because I've seen this thing played, we, we were playing at the game store and people were playing it behind us. And it did take them like three hours. I think we played three or four games in the time it took them to play.
2: It, it's a game that
0: you need to wrap your head around. It really is. Yeah. It looked like there was a lot going on. Does it, do you feel like, I mean, you said everything's streamlined together. So I'm assuming that it doesn't feel very disjointed. But I mean, things to focus on, different strategies, or is it like you got to do everything? Yeah.
2: So there's there's eight artists that can be discovered in the game and they can only ever do two pieces of art each so when you buy a piece of art you take what's called their signature token and the signature token goes on this track and this the signature until you sell it increases as the artist's fame increases so there's ways that you can either work with someone or not to increase the fame of an artist that maybe you share their signature token with or if you're just solely looking at paintings from the blue artist you're trying to move that guy up the track as quickly as possible uh, because the higher he is in fame, the more money you'll get for selling his painting. So there's this balance of, again, it's, it's an economics game in that way. You're trying to buy low, sell high, but there's all these kind of other elements on the periphery. There's like this international market where you can go get kind of instant bonuses and end game bonuses to work on. Um, there's the, the contract office where you can buy and sell art. So in order to sell a piece of art, you have to have a contract that matches that specific type of art. So there's all these little ways you have to go about getting to, so again, I say buying and selling, but in order to buy and sell, there's a process you have to go through. And then on top of that, there's a process to increase the money that you will make from selling that by boosting your artist's. Um, and they're not yours, so to, say, so to speak. As I mentioned, anyone can buy art from that artist as long as it's available. But, you know, you're going to focus on specific ones. And then you have, like, endgame objectives. So, like, you have specific pieces of art in your gallery versus p- specific pieces of art you sold. So a lot, a lot going on. Um, what
0: do you think, Tiff?
1: I mean, I think it was Travis that said this. I think the kind of people that are, like, into playing this game are going to like this game. Um, I don't think it's my cup of tea. Most of those Lacerda games really turn me off because of just the high component count and just the... They always seem really complex from the outside, and like they will take a very long time to learn. And I'm just not as into that as maybe I once was. How was the downtime on this, Dan?
2: Um it wasn't too bad actually um my one gripe about the game is what's called a kick out action so there's four spaces on the board that you take actions right and when you place your marker on that if someone else is already there you bump them out of the space and what that means is at the end of your turn they have the ability to take a number of different kind of kicked out actions so it kind of breaks the flow of the game. And it, it at times, if you're not paying attention, it, you kind of get confused on whose turn it is next because it you could bump someone that's not the next player, for instance. But at the same time, it made, made a real interesting decision there because, you know, by bumping someone, you're giving them an extra action, which increases their efficiency if they're able to work it out. Um, it also allows them to take any action they want next time because they go back to their gallery because you cannot take the same action twice. So there was a couple of like just really subtle little tricks, tricks to the trade there. And it was, it was cool. Downtime in general, I didn't think once we got into the flow of it was that bad. It's just that breaking up that flow with those kicked out actions got a, a little annoying at times, but. I wouldn't say to the point where it made me dislike anything about it.
1: I always worry that I would contribute to the downtime because I have, in complex games, I have a little AP problem. So This would set I, your
2: I... AP off completely.
1: Yeah. So that's why I stay away from this. Um, how does it compare to Kanban? Do you like this or Kanban better?
2: That's a good question. I don't know. I've played this one the once, twice, twice now. And i don't know that's a good question is I like one them lighter both. than the other what's up
1: are they about the same weight yeah, or they're, are they, they're is both one about the same the
2: complexity other? at first i want to say kanban because i really i really like kanban but the gallerist it, it, i could see it overtaking kanban once i figured out i still have not cracked how to play the gallerist it's just i'm just not i'm so inefficient in what i do in the gallerist i i just go about everything backwards it seems in the two games i've played but um yeah, and Kanban clicked for me, and I understand it, and I think it's got some really neat mechanics. So I think right now I think I like Kanban more, but it's very, very close. I could see the gallerist overtaking it.
1: Hmm. I've heard people say that the theme for Kanban is a little bit more interwoven in with the mechanics. Yes, on.
0: by by far. Okay. Um, I would All agree right. with that. I haven't gotten to play any of this, guys, these guys these games.
1: But they interest you.
0: They do interest me. I want to play. The problem is that we always have two players and Dan says these games don't really thrive at two players, or we have five players, and that never works. so we, I always split off and I'm the one playing the game with people. <laughs> we can three players. We can get three or four of things. us and have a
2: Lacerda-thon. I've got CO2, Kanban, Gallerist. I've got all of his games but Venuss. so and I would love to play. I still have CO2 sitting on my shelf, and people say that could possibly be his best one so
0: semi co-op thing
2: yeah it's got a lot of interesting mechanics
0: in it i want to play them this one is really pretty it's probably as prettiest looking game it is it's got little yes. easels it's very
2: nice yeah those easels don't
0: mean anything they're just a a stretch goal they're just cool they're <laughs> <a product. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all right tiff so dan's playing four hours of <laughs> the Gallerist and you got to play fun games during that so what happened
1: i lied i just sat by myself at the bar really <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds like the best game <laughs> so far no
1: i went it while dan was doing that i went checked out the unpub area was up on the 11th floor so i got to have some fun elevator rides with some dudes and (laughs) play some prototypes you
0: sound like like a like a little kid who lives in a hotel with his parents or something like this is what you do for fun
1: yeah yeah i think i might have also eaten during that time so I didn't really actually play games while Dan was playing the gallerist. I played uh, some prototypes. But if you want me to talk about a game, I'll talk about Automania.
0: Oh, yes. I need to hear Combine about this. Light.
1: Uh, that's what everybody was saying. I didn't, I guess, I don't know. Knowing what I know about Kanban and knowing what I know about Automania, I don't think they're that closely related. Uh, Automania is a game I would probably buy for my board game club kids because it's really pretty simple and straightforward, kind of vanilla maybe is the way I would describe it. So, you know, you're running a car factory, you are placing your workers i guess uh on on the central board that is a what is it four by four grid dan
2: Mm, i don't know yeah it was 16 total spaces
1: yeah so you place your your worker on there and you get to take a tile from that row And then you take the action, which is build a certain type of car. Um, And and as you're going through, you have your personal player board, which is your assembly line. You're placing the tiles, which are just different upgrades and ways to get more points out of your cars. Um, And you just follow that line of tiles that gives you points. You build the car, you put it on a ship. And then at the end of the round, you sell off the cars based on which one is the highest point earner so the person who had the the highest point card goes first and gets to take whatever reward they wanted so i don't know i thought it was it was interesting i think it would be a good one to teach to younger players but for me i don't know it was a little bit lighter than i don't know It's i was planning playing...
0: to hear you say it was too light
1: i'm not saying it was too light i'm just saying i think i want a game that's in between automania and Kanban. <laughs> mm. i think that's what i'm saying Interesting. Like, I don't want something that's so complex that my brain is going to spill out all over the table. And I know it would with combat. That's why I won't try that. But uh, I was hoping that Automania would be something in between. But this just seemed, I didn't do that well. Like, I'm talking about it like, oh, it's so simple. I did the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst game I played the whole time we were there. But uh, I don't know. It, w- it was really simple. And I think I think that's good. It's a good family weight game for that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard I haven't heard bad things about it. I just haven't heard great things. It didn't sound like it was a big standout title. Right. No. Yeah.
1: I was we tried to play it the whole time. I was excited about it, but disappointment.
2: Yeah. It's one that'll easily get lost in the shuffle, I think. Um like Tiff said, it worked. It was mechanically solid, but it just wasn't that engaging. I think is how I would put it. I kind of just went on rails after like I figured out what I was doing and just kind of went through the motions the market mechanic it has kind of a market mechanic similar to something like Kraftwagen where you're like yeah you can use the <laughs> demands of the market to sell your cars at a higher price kind of thing but I think I prefer at the end of the day I'd rather play Kanban and I'd rather play Kraftwagen
1: I guess Kraftwagen is the in-between right I was like-
0: about to say wasn't that supposed to be your in-between
1: that game's been tainted for me just a little bit, so I don't know. I put it on my trade list, guys. Thanks,
0: Dan and Matt Riddle.
1: Oh, no. Don't feel bad, I'm keeping guys. Mine. i I think graphically <laughs> that's another turnoff for me. Like, Automania is cutesy and adorable, and I think that's why I say it would be perfect to teach to kids because it's the kind of look that attracts them anyway. And if I could get this for cheap or as part of a trade, I would totally get it and, and donate it to my board game club because... Yeah. It's perfect for that, so. Cool. It's got its use.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's got an audience.
1: Definitely not, Dan.
0: Well, I got to play... This may be the hype talking, and it's, it's not really a hyped game, but my new favorite co-op game aside from Time Stories. Oh, boy. Because Time Stories is... I'm I'm on a Time Stories high, but that's because at the moment of this recording, we are in between two sessions of the Marcy case, and I I... <laughs> Maybe I'll talk about time stories for a second. Dan, I dreamt about time stories all night. I'm not even kidding. I had legitimate dreams. Kel woke me up to say goodbye this morning when she went to work out, and I said, bye. I dreamt about time stories. I was dreaming about codes. I was dreaming about all kinds of crazy puzzles. Turns out I didn't solve anything in my dreams, though. So, sorry. We're worse off than yesterday. Anyway, I got my first play of Burgle Bros, which is the new Tim Fowers game. and. Ooh. The first thing is the art from Ryan Goldsberry is awesome. I love it. Second, this is a cooperative heist game, which is loosely based on Monaco, which was a like a 16-bit video game, which we played and loved. It's super goofy and neon 80s. Uh, this is a bit more stylized, but basically in this game, you are trying to travel through a location, whether it's a bank or a hotel or something like that, there's different levels, and There are different floors within that location. There's a safe on each floor. You're trying to find the safe, crack the safe, get out with the loot. But you play a different type of thief with asymmetrical player powers. And there are guards roaming around these different rooms, which may or may not be uh, alarm rooms. So there's different rooms that, you know, there's tripwires and there's laser rooms and computer rooms and all kinds of like think Ocean's Eleven kind of thing. That's basically what this game is, but it's fully co-op. We got one play in so far, so this is only a first impression, but I'm riding a high because I thought that this was a super, super fun co-op game, and that obviously needs to be tempered based on whether or not you like co-op games, but I found that the difference in the powers and the easy rule set, so there's only four actions you can do. You can you know, peek into a room, you can explore a room, you can move, you can use a power. Uh, it's super simple and streamlined, but... It was a le- legitimate challenge, you know. It focused on the difficulty of trying a man- maneuver for us, for people around the buildings, not get caught by the guards. So it wasn't convoluted with weird rules, which it could have been, because there's these three floors. You set out four by four grids across the table, so it's a it's a space hog. But there's all kinds of weird stuff that could be going on, but they kept it really simple. You know, you move here, you move there, you find the the safes and cr- safes and crack them. So, I really liked it. It comes in the same size box as Paperback, which was his first game. So, it's really compact. It's got really nice component quality. Uh, I got the Kickstarter version, so I got a couple extra bonus things. But I, I really like this game. And I know, Dan, you haven't been really interested in this, just because, probably because it's co op and because it's it's kind of light. But, Tiff, anything from you?
1: Yeah. I have it sitting down in a shipping box downstairs. You, you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I want you to break this open and play it. There's a good. Thoughts?
1: There's a good chance today is my pre-Christmas Kickstarter celebration where I open up another batch of Kickstarter games that have been <laughs> sitting. <laughs> Listen, I have four levels of games in my house. There is the in the shipping box. There is the on the stack, maybe should get played this week. There's on the shelf, and then there's the crawl space of shame for things that I'm trying to trade <laughs> away.
0: <laughs> the crawl space of shame.
1: So I yeah, it's imagine. it's down there, and I'm gonna open it today.
0: I hope you enjoy opening it because I really the style of the game just really gels with me. So when I cracked it open, it's just a fun game to look at and to to kind of experience, and then to play it. It it just it built off of that for me. And the aesthetic definitely impacts my enjoyment of the game because it, it's so well done. But I, I hope you like it. I saw uh, people
1: playing it at BGGCon, and they yeah. all looked happy. So I'm hoping that I like it too. I love Heist theme and and.
0: Dan, can I can I beg you to play this one day? I don't just know. Just try I it. I told Dan, you I would play on. it last time. You wanted to play it. I you s- you did say that. I was serious. I would play it. But when you talk about it, you like. <laughs> You're like, yo, why don't you guys just go play Burgle Bros? No, I was saying like that because Mike was complaining
2: about having to play Palaces of Carrera, which is awesome. Um, well, he had to uh, listen to 30 so... minutes of rules about how to sell marble. So, hey, Great game. Well, I'm sure, but Agreed. he was
0: a little, it, you know, for him. T- well, that's
2: why I was giving him an out. I was like, go play Burgle Bros, dude. It's no big deal.
0: Like, He said it with attitude. And I said, hey, don't mess with Burgle Bros. And then we sounded ridiculous because the alliteration of Burgle Bros cannot be said with a serious voice but bros.
1: <laughs> you're either gonna say it with some sass or just goofily it's it's fine
0: <laughs> you can't say you it. can't
1: not say it with there's, a little bit of funk
0: there's no normal way to
2: say burgle bros <laughs> i i would play burgle bros like you said the aesthetic is nice i i don't you know, dan you <laughs> co-ops are not my first thing and what?
1: You might might not realize it. Sometimes you'll say that you'll play a game, but the dead glazed over look in your <laughs> eye <laughs> gives away your true feelings.
0: What? Your Your credo of I'll play any game once sometimes seems like you're doing me a favor. No. No, I said I'd play any game once. I would. I would try
2: any game once. I'm not going to dismiss it outright without having played it. <laughs> I like heist games. I like heist movies. I like the theme. I thought what he did with the stickers and the shaped meeples was pretty damn cool.
1: Okay, time out. What's your favorite heist movie?
2: Either off topic. The Italian Job or Ocean's Eleven, I think.
1: Good answer, The Italian Job.
2: Yeah. Snatch. The original oh. or the Mark Wahlberg version, though?
1: Oh, Mark Wahlberg. Uh,
2: see, I'm a Michael Caine guy.
1: <laughs> Either way, you're you're going to get a good movie there. Yeah,
2: Thomas Crown Affair? Thomas Crown Affair is excellent no. as well. It's yeah.
1: okay. I like that one. It's not bad.
2: Lock, stock, and two smoke. Thomas board. Crown Affair has one of the best soundtracks of any movie
0: I can remember. It does. It's such a it good does. soundtrack. And Pierce Brosnan's so dreamy. He is.
1: Ugh, too much chest hair.
0: <laughs> mm. What about those golden eyes? Ooh.
2: Yeah. <laughs> got Anyways, him. I'll play Burgle Bros.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I would like I'd like to play it. I can't wait to play it some more. And I've got this, I've already got it lined up for review because I know I'm just gonna I'm gonna play it a bunch and I'm gonna love it. And that's, pr- that's pretty much all I played. I'm officially out of game, so you guys need to carry me the rest of the show.
2: All right, let's get into let's get into a quick one here. This one's called Oh My Goods. This is a quick little card game from Alexander Fister, who designed uh, Broom Service and Mombasa.
0: Your new favorite and designer. Yeah,
2: I'm really digging this guy. And I really liked this game. This was a, a small little card box, or card box. This was a small card game that released at Essen. This was... Uh, designed for and I can't think of the the museum off the top of my head but there's this museum every year at Essen that gets a, a, a designer to design a small box game and they sell it and the proceeds go to support the the museum and last year he did or is it the year before he did um, Port Royal uh, Alexander Pfister did and then this year he did Oh My Goods or Royal Goods which is the, the German title. And this one is from Lookout Games, and it's just a quick little engine building game. Um, you're taking the role of, I don't know, a worker in a village, and you're just trying to churn out uh, products. And it's got this really neat little like press your luck element, because in order to trigger the different buildings in your tableau, you need to have resources. And the resources are laid out in two different phases. The, the opening market phase, where you're gonna flip out cards, until you get cards that have sun icons on them. Once you get two of those, the market is over, okay? So whatever resources are left in there is what you kind of have to work on. And now you can look at that market, and then you can look at your tableau and say, okay, there's, there's two brick in the market, and I need two brick and four wheat to trigger this building I'm trying to trigger. So you look at it, and you're like, oh, the odds are I don't have a good chance in that second market. So then you can use your hand to supplement any materials that you don't have. And so once you do that, you're going to pick a building, you're gonna, all that good stuff, and then you're going to flip out the second market. And same thing, once you get two sun icons, that market's over. So that's the closing market. And then you're going to take turns back and forth, activating your buildings, uh, building resources. Uh, everything's multi-use cards, so it's it's kind of neat how he does it. So some things can be used to to build. Some things can be used to Um, make goods etc but it it just had that little slight little pressure luck in that you don't know what's coming out in the market you might not want to choose a building that you don't have cards to supplement from your hand to make that building churn because if you don't meet the goods requirements you do nothing that turn so i really liked it first eight buildings wins um or sorry first eight buildings triggers end game and then person with the most money wins so just a quick little mention i like that one i know tiff you played that with me
1: i liked it a lot i will pick that up at some point where the heck did you get it did you get it from the lookout shop from europe, yeah. is that what you said from europe you call it yeah you i think i got
2: I, I don't remember if it was in my mind my... i think it was in look <laughs> i think it was lookout i got it from directly hello europe hello europe i'm looking for oh my goods um,
1: no i like it i mean there's a lot of game in a small box there so a it's ton kind of game of... yeah
2: and it worked well with two as well i think it plays up to four but it
0: worked really well with two as well i
1: cool. thought so
0: all right so we have chatted about a lot of games so i'm going to put out the final call any other awesome games that we want to chat about let's prioritize here
1: i think there are other games but i've bought the ones that i really liked so we could probably just wait yeah i was (laughs)
0: gonna say we played my
2: village but we can talk about that when we do top of the stack next episode because that was on our top of the stack i will say uh, grand austria hotel was good but not at four players
0: and antarctica was weird that's all I have to say about Antarctica. Yeah, I'm bummed about that one, but we can chat more about that some other time. All right, everybody. So that is our show, episode 34, In the Bag. We thank you for listening. Remember, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so by finding us on Facebook by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. You can always shoot us an email at podcast at com. Find us all on BGG Guild number 2077 or go to guild.nonsensicalgamers.com. If you want a micro badge, we are handing out Geek Gold for you to rep a tiny meeple shield. Feel free to hit us up there. Find us on places like Instagram, iTunes reviews, Hearts on Board Game links, and reviews on Stitcher are always appreciated. But really, if you want to chat with us directly, the place to do that is Twitter. Dan, if anybody wants to find out what you've been playing, where do they do that?
2: At League Nonsense or at scandalous underscore nad you can also check us out on instagram at the nonsensical gamers
0: we post a lot of pictures i'm at cinnamon buns on instagram spelled stupidly (laughs) tiff if people want to see what you are playing once and never playing again where Uh, do they do that
1: i play things more than once um i am at inept gamer on twitter
0: perfect and on twitter i am at cinnamon buns again i'm spelled stupidly all over the internet so just type it in and see what pops up so we will see you next week for episode 35 back to back full episodes we will see you then say goodbye toodles
1: bye bye